Welcome back to the premiere Legend of Zelda Travelogue podcast. We are your tour guides. My name is Pete. My name's Chris. Hey, Pete. How's it going? Going well. How you doing? <laughs> well, I'm doing pretty good. I am on two different kinds of allergy medicines. Wow. See, that's yep. character development because you brought that one up a couple episodes ago. <laughs> so I have a question for you. We are now thinking about some of the bonus episodes for this season, and we know right. that we're going to do another episode during the bonus part of this season for the manga right. for the Minish Cap. So I wanted to do a fun thing where in the middle of this season, before either of us start reading the Minish Cap manga, each of us make three predictions for something that will happen in the <laughs> Minish Cap manga. And then we'll revisit those predictions in the actual bonus episode. Okay, I can get behind this. They can be of any you know amount of consequence they can be big things small little details they could be no-brainers they could be you know pie in the sky predictions whatever you Ooh, want boy okay do you want me to rattle them off like all, all in a row i could do a few and give you a second to think or do you want to do you want to go right now oh i'll wing it let me, let me see all right um okay so prediction number one they are going to woobify vati at some point w i'm sorry i'm sorry oh oh you're not familiar with the term woobify okay <laughs> <laughs> Woobastink? Uh, Woobify is kind of a like a TV tropes-esque term where it's like you have a villain who retroactively receives like a backstory that makes you sympathize with them. Oh, you think we're going to get some more of that Vati backstory? Possibly. Like we'll see him in a more sympathetic light. Okay. That's a good guess. Second prediction, I'm thinking that uh, the four different four swords links will have their own personalities do you want to take a guess at what at least some of those personalities might be oh geez okay so going by ninja turtles rules i'm thinking green obviously the hero right you got your leonardo mm -hmm. you got Raphael in the red one the angry boy you got science boy donatello in purple and i think blue will be silly boy slash sleepy boy okay I'm taking notes. And then what do you want? One one more? I think we'll get some sort of backstory to Link and Zelda. Okay. Because we kind of got nothing of that in this game except like childhood friends. Oh, yeah. she's stone now. Bye. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough Zelda in this game for sure. So hopefully they flesh it out a bit in the beginning or the end. Or maybe Zelda has a completely different fate. I don't know. I've, I've not started reading it yet. <laughs> she escapes Vati and she has her Sheik storyline. Oh, that would be interesting. Okay, so I have three as well. Yeah. Number one, I think Link will befriend something early in the story that will become infected with evil by the end of the story. Ooh, okay. That's very specific. Is it? I feel like that's a trope. Yeah, but like you're introducing a whole new character. That That's kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know if it's a new character. It could be a character in the game. I don't know. Gotcha. Number two, I think... It is a safe bet that a non-Zelda character will get a crush on Link. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Number three, I think Ezla will eat a food in the manga to the Minish Cat. <laughs> Probably a slab of meat of some sort, like the meat on the bone sort oh, of Oh, one cartoon. of those cartoon anime meat bones? Yes. So those are my three predictions for the Legend of Zelda manga. Interesting. I like, I like that. We should do that more often. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Pete, do you have a recap for what we talked about last episode? I'm actually in the middle of editing last episode right now. So let's see. We went to Caster Wilds slash the Wind Ruins. 
<laughs> we met some monsters slash statues. We got ourselves some new boots that let us run across swampy waters. We got ourselves a bow and arrow from a possibly dead and buried Minish soldier. <laughs> <laughs> and right before we wrapped up, we stepped into the wind ruins to pilot uh, some, well, not pilot because we couldn't move them around, but we can turn on and off some uh, Armo statues that we found. Oh, yeah. The Mecha era of Zelda. I really wish that they would let us move those things around. It so, would have been so cool. That would be fun. Um, Yeah, that's a pretty good recap. So where are we going today then? Well, right where we left off, we are at the front steps of the Fortress of Wind. So I'm going to say some words and <laughs> you tell me if they, in your mind, relate to wind at all whatsoever. Uh, I mean, this is an audio medium, so words are a good start. Okay. Sand. Sure. Really? Okay. A ba little. Bad start. Sa sand gets pushed around by the wind. Eyes? No. Holes? <laughs> Absolutely not. Why? What? I just, you know, this, it just, Fortress of Winds, thematically, this is just the desert dungeon. It's not a particularly windy dungeon. Wait, so these are things that you're connecting to this place? Where are you seeing sand? There's sand. Oh, is it dirt? I think it's dirt. Okay. Do you associate dirt with winds? Also, I have to change <laughs> a lot of notes really quick. <laughs> I mean, no, not really. Although, here's the thing. While this is named after the wind, this is a former residence of the wind tribe. We find this out, I think, either immediately or at the end. <laughs> sure, sure. I get why it's named that, and we're going to talk about that at the tail end of this episode. It's because mm -hmm. of the residents who were here. It just feels like, from a gameplay perspective, there's nothing windy about this level necessarily. I can think of maybe one thing. I'll bring it up in a minute. But uh, okay, so we'll let's let's get started with just describing it in a general sense, and then we'll do enemies okay. and go about the rooms. Well, first, I want to bring up the exterior where we left off last time. Uh, the entrance to this place is old and overgrown, old slate gray stone temple. Yeah, yeah. You see the entrance at the bottom of a small staircase, like it's um the place has been buried, but like with the stairs going down into the earth to this like temple dungeon it reminded me of cairns oh from Skyrim. okay yeah i i have a screenshot i took of of the entrance to this place i really like it it's like very understated it's like you're going into a hole in the grand scheme of things it's a very small hole like the last mm -hmm. dungeon the cave of flames was like a demon head that we entered right that was a bit of a stretch but i was willing to go with it but like this is just like you're walking down into a little pit and then there's just like this whole kind of underground layer i guess it's kind of cool honestly like the vibe that i got from this place because like once you get in there I, I i do have one more detail from the outside but once you get in there you see like the whole bottom floor is filled with dirt or sand i guess but there is like one solitary path that was carved through this to like the early rooms right which i kind of got the impression that like maybe this place someone attempted to excavate it you know what i mean oh yeah but like that's interesting that's an interesting idea but like where would they have ended up would they have ended up where the boss room is i mean there's a lot of bones lying around in there oh there are a lot of skeletons in this dungeon you're right yeah bud but what were they trying to find? They were trying to find, I guess, maybe some hint of the tribe that left this place. It could be. 
the gist that I get from people in Hyrule Town, like no one really seems aware that the Sky Tribe still exists or where they would be, where they went. We don't hear mention really about them at all from the people of Hyrule, I, no, I think. No, not at all. Yeah. Like they might not even know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get through this dungeon because I think we both really want to tr talk about this tribe. I do. I really do. Yeah. Okay. So my last note for the outside. On either side of the entrance, there are these two statues Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I could not make out what they were because like my lizard brain tried to recognize them and all I could see was Clippy from old Microsoft Word. <laughs> I don't see how you see Clippy, but I'm looking at a static image of it. It looks like a, well, I think we both know what it is, but we're not supposed to know what it is at this point, right? Well, it's like a, it's like a humanoid shape with wings, right? Uh, no, it's like a humanoid shape holding a spear with two little hands raised. Oh, I see. You, you are seeing those like two things around the chest as the hands sticking out? Mm, I don't really know what I'm looking at fully, but it's definitely holding a spear. The two things on the side, I think, are hands. The things there are like pronounced eyes and a cool little mohawk oh okay so you do see that as a head okay so those, those things that you're seeing as eyes i see as clippy's eyes from microsoft word i can get behind that from the microsoft word from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i really don't think that's the case i think this is like a small statue of a humanoid person like the thing you called a mohawk i'm seeing as the head with like a helmet i you know what i i'm doing a quick google i figured this was what at least someone from the wind tribe looked like but no no one i honestly do think that like this is some kind of like disambiguation of a humanoid shape if it is though it's smaller than link so something that we're gonna learn as we get into here and we kind of learned it with the armos is the wind tribe was given structures to protect this place right that's right. what the armos are that's what other things will be inside this dungeon right 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 maybe these are built for that same purpose they're not necessarily a single thing in this world but they're supposed to be imposing or scary somehow you know in the context of this world so the rest of the place is overgrown and busted so possibly these are just busted right I mean, that's like, that's a possibility, too. Even if they're statues, they might just not resemble what they're supposed to anymore. Yeah, totally. Anyway, we've spent enough time outside of the dungeon. Let's book <laughs> it into the dungeon and start talking More. about... <laughs> and start talking about the Fortress of Winds. I, want, I keep wanting to call this the Cave of Tears. Wow. <laughs> uh, the interior. I can describe the t interior real quick. I already started earlier, but it's dirty. This is a dirty dungeon, Chris. Yeah, I thought it was a sandy dungeon, but that's not far off from dirty. <laughs> Basically, it's a big 3D dungeon. The theme of this dungeon from a gameplay mechanic perspective is the fact that it's 3D you're going to be jumping down floors throughout it. The structure of the fortress is primarily made of like three different towers. And on each floor, you're going to have uh, holes in the floor that let you see the next floor down. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of got like that 3D effect. And we'll see things actually falling throughout this dungeon so that 
you know, as to signify to Link, like, oh, you can actually drop down in this dungeon, as opposed to other dungeons where dropping down will lead to Link's death. Oh, instantaneously, yeah. That's the funny thing, though. Like, in this place, there are some spots where you can jump from the top of a particular tower to the base without getting hurt. At all, which is completely that, wild. Yeah. There's nothing establishing why that should happen. And that, Chris, that's my connection to the Wind Tribe. Like, that's the one remaining thing here. Care to explain? Yeah, no, I, I think that, like, what do you think when someone tells you about wind people or a wind tribe? Is that they can, like, fly, right? Or they're sure. light on the air. Sure. So possibly they had control of over this place or there's some arcane enchantment on the place that, like, okay. they can jump up and down. Possibly the wind tribe could also go up through the floors with ease and not have to... Uh, but it's like the stairs i i hear you and i kind of like that there's also like definitely places in this dungeon where you can fall to your death yeah those are the ones with no rooms you can't see anything beneath them if it's a dark pit don't do it right. don't go in right dark pit do not commit but i do like the idea that a tribe uses their magic powers to establish a quicker mode of transportation to get around their big house yeah for sure i mean they still have stairs for like babies and stuff but that's it mm -hmm. stairs are for babies mm -hmm. there's also a lot of small rooms in here just covered with dirt i guess uh with little things that at the start you can't access because they're hidden behind dirt walls and as pete implied a second ago there are skeleton heads everywhere just disembodied heads oh yeah all over the place we should be keeping count of the amount of disembodied heads per zelda game <laughs> Because I think Skyward Sword's probably like 10 or 15. Mm. Minish Cap up to this point is like 7,000. Skyward Sword, the only heads I can even think of are in Farron's like water chamber. There's probably some stuff in the Earth Temple. Mm. The I mean, the only skull model I even remember is like a Bokoblin head. Okay, fair enough. On top of that, though, Chris, there's going to be a few different things in here uh, scattered throughout the rooms, just different traps. I just want to address them really quick. On the list of traps, we have traps, which are just called traps. <laughs> we talked about them in the Cave of Flames. Then after that, you got spike traps, which are those like rotating bars covered in spikes that roll back and forth on the floor. Usually you avoid them by jumping into a, like a, a pachi hole. Right. Oh, wait, you call the holes pachi holes? It's convenient. Okay, it works. I don't know that pachi dug the holes. I don't know who pachi is. <laughs> or what pachi is. <sighs> What's a pachi? Okay, because like you got holes that you can jump into and die, which is like a bottomless pit. You got holes that you can see the next floor and not die if you drop in. Then you got pachi holes, which, can, which you can shoot pachi into and lets you jump out. Yes, I think it's all very clear. Yeah. Last trap. I'm not sure if you would count this as a trap or an enemy, actually, Chris. Flying skulls. I guess I would count that as an enemy. Because they home in on you, which means there's some amount of sentience to them. Yeah, I mean, they home in on where you last were, though. You can step away. So you think there's something robotic about those skulls? I think there could be, like, a base curse or enchantment on them that lets them fly toward, you know what I mean? Kind of like they'd be triggered by motion detection or something. <laughs> Okay. Malice does very different things for very different people, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. 
I'm Malice. Oh boy, I got some stuff to say about Malice today. We'll, we'll get there. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's probably as good of a transition as any into talking about some of the uh, enemies in this dungeon. Yes, sir. A lot of familiar faces on this list. Yeah, this is kind of a, a very, there's not a lot of new names on the menu tonight, Chris. No, but that's okay. Some returning faces are Sparks, Armos, Keese, Ropes, Spiny, Choo Choo's, Rupee Likes, Igor Statues, and d -d -d Dark Nuts. These are silver Dark Nuts, right? I think you get red and silver in here, actually. Oh. The red one is one of two mini bosses. Uh, yeah, those are the returning enemies. We do have a few new faces that I'm excited to talk about. Do you want to start with the blue Stalfos? I would love to, Chris. <laughs> these guys are good, and you see them right early on in this. They are kind of all over the place. They're these little, like, I, I hesitate to say they're human skeletons because of their tiny legs and long arms. They don't make much sense. Okay. Do you? Th I could see these being like moblin skeletons. Maybe. I have a different opinion. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there in just a minute, Chris. Oh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there in just a minute we're in enemy town i'm already stressed all right but anyway in this game you got blue stelphos and red stelphos you're only gonna find blue ones in here mm -hmm. uh the blue ones will walk around until they see you then they will walk towards you if you swipe at them with your sword they'll jump away like an and you have to like either trick them into jumping backward into a hole or like pin them into corner yeah I kind of like it. Little tricky Stalfos. Usually Stalfos are kind of punks. I don't know. That's a cool little twist on them. That's an and, interesting word for a skeleton. <laughs> but uh, yeah, these, these are jumpy little guys. Uh, there's like a whole room filled with them right at the start of this dungeon. Yep. Which was exciting. I like to think that before I entered that room, they were all just bouncing around having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, when you can jump like that, every everywhere you go is a bouncy castle. Absolutely. Separate from them. Okay, I'm surprised you didn't consider these as traps, but face lamps? Oh, yes, that's right. I should have listed that under traps. Okay, so torches slash fire lamps slash face lamps. They go by different names in different games. Why ever face lamps? I think in just one game, they're depicted as a lamp with like a face. But they're called face lamps in all subsequent, like... Not all of them, but in, in a bunch of other games where they do not have faces. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Apparently in Link's Awakening, they have a face on them. Yeah, yeah. Not sure where... Uh, <laughs> not sure why they kept that name. Uh, yeah, it's very puzzling. So these are just little uh, lamps. They're little fires that are, you know, in designated areas in the rooms. Mm -hmm. And they can launch at Link when he walks by. Right. Well, you know what these are, Chris? Because I figured it out earlier today. Are you going to say these are magma also? No. <laughs> Bear the lead. Bear the lead, Chris. They What these are, face lamps, I guess, if they're called that in this game, they are just like tools from a tower defense game. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. these are largely indestructible in most games. In games where they can be turned off, you do so by defeating all the enemies in the room. Sometimes right. that doesn't do it and they just keep shooting fireballs. But they are also 
very much not a threat on the scale of things that are threatening to Link. Yeah, it really depends what else is in the room. Yeah, these are something you'll have to be monitoring while actually fighting and paying attention to something else. Right, right, right. Separate from that, I, I want to save the most exciting one for last, so I'm going to move on to... Oh, you know what else I forgot? It's actually a returning enemy in here. We got Moldworms. Moldworms. Mold, mold, moldworms? Moldworms. <laughs> You're adding a le- letter there, but I get where I came from. So, okay, I just want, I, I have a very small note about moldworms in here. We talked about them previously in another episode. Uh, I realized earlier today that the last time these guys came up, I described them based on their appearance in other games, which th- those enemies that I described are actually called mini moldworms. I don't know why they have a different name because they work in game exactly the same (laughs) also they are the smallest they've ever been just comparatively to link it could be yeah um the ones in this game function exactly the same as we described before they just bounce around kind of aimlessly but like appearance wise they're much less doofy looking like they got like just one big eye and like these yellow mouth pincers and like this huge crescent stinger tail yeah that stinger tail is pretty cool it's like a golden moon at the end of this kind of rad yeah but that was really my only note on it other than that we do have the first appearance of wizrobes here yeah i love a wizrobe yeah yeah and these ones these are like wizrobes when they're at their most vv what does vv mean vv is the black mage from final fantasy 9 oh i wasn't thinking about that yes i never even played that and i know that game that name yeah yeah no i I see what you mean there they're kind of just like you know standard you know colored robe same colored hat yeah Uh, it looks like they have like a little cowboy bandit face (laughs) protector yeah, yeah. You know what? I just realized it's not it's not a black mage. It's um it's Orko from He-Man. Cooking. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. He's got a little bandana on his face too. Or I guess it's more of a scarf, but same concept. Oh, it totally is Orko. Oh man, that's perfect. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, so these dudes just kind of teleport all over and then fire yeah. orbs at you. Is it orbs? I thought it was like wind magic or yeah, something. Yeah, magic bolts. You're only going to encounter green ones in this dungeon, although there's also like fire and ice ones you're going to find mm-hmm. elsewhere in the game. The thing is, though, Chris, regardless of their element, all whiz robes die instantly to a magic item we get in the next dungeon. Oh, do they? I don't know if I discovered that. Yep. Uh, I forget how I learned that, but uh, yeah, instantaneous death for Wiz Robes. I have to assume, because, well, I mean, cards on the table here. Uh, it's fire-based. I assume wizard robes are very flammable in this era. <laughs> that is a very grim thing. Yeah, you're just... Just bur- burning those little candle people up <laughs> real quick. I guess last, but certainly not least, we have floor masters and wall masters i only remember seeing uh wall masters here's the thing this this might be the reason chris because uh floor masters in this game are not the same floor masters that you get in wind waker the reason that i bring that up is because they keep their wind waker designs Mm-hmm. from that game mm-hmm. uh in wind waker floor masters pop out of like these shadowy bugs bunny holes in the ground and they have like these long 
pink arms attached to the to the hand that grab at you. Ooh, creepy. But floor masters in this game, they have the same sprite as wall masters, where they're just like a big floaty hand, and they just kind of hang out there. Like you walk into a room and a floor master is just hanging out. Yeah, it's just it's just lounging, and then it gets like scared by you and jumps up. I have a hard time describing how you like can miss hitting this guy, but you can miss if you swing at it. Yeah, yeah, they do go down quick if you get a few swipes, but I mean, I've got to imagine just like the rest of them, these guys toss you all the way back to the beginning of the dungeon. Mm -hmm. They don't hurt you, but they do drag you back to the first room, which is so frustrating. It is. It, I'd rather you just hurt me and send me to like to the beginning of the room. It is the worst. These guys are the worst every time. <laughs> um, yeah, same for wall masters. They will also do the same thing, except wall masters, you don't see them in the room when you walk into them at first. They will appear from above the screen mm -hmm. and you'll see like a shadow where Link is standing and they will land down. If they touch you, they will grab you and drag you back. Yeah, so wall masters are likely up on the walls. Floor masters are somewhere beneath the floors. I always wondered about that. Like, do I've never seen a wall master on a wall in these games. Yeah, they usually just come from the ceiling, I guess, right? Or like, you know, the abyss or the they appear from the ether somewhere above you because like in a 3D game, you can look up and they won't be there. I think it's supposed to be your imagination a little. <laughs> I think they're on the walls. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think the design of these is like my favorite for these monsters in the franchise. I really like it. Yeah, let's describe what they look like. They're kind of like a stylized dark magic hand. <laughs> Well, yeah. So they're both uh, these dark hands. Yeah. The floor masters have a cool blue outline with like little flourishes. And the, re the wall masters are just red variants of that. I wish I had a better word other than magic E. They just seem like they're made of magic. They do. Know? Yeah. They're glowing. It's like the, the color. It looks like glowing, yeah, yeah. fun glow in the dark colors. Like they popped out of a blacklight poster. Like they, I, blacklight poster hit me at the same <laughs> second that you started saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like this appearance more than they have in other... Like, you play the N64 games, and they look, like, fleshy. <laughs> I hate that. I feel like in the kayfabe of Smash Brothers, that's what, like, Master Hand is like to these people, to all the player characters. Oh, yeah. Just a bunch of gross child hands all over the place grabbing at you. Oh, I don't like that at all. Can have a little more of that at the end of this dungeon. But I think the last thing I have to say about Floor Masters, though, is that um, there's going to be a couple times when you get to a room filled with them, like three or four at a time. The best tactic I found is to just let them all come to you. Just stand still and keep swiping and they'll just die on your sword. Like you don't have to do that much work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Anything else about the enemies or do you want to start talking about the rooms of this place? I think I'm ready to roll. Okay. Well, let's talk about some rooms. Uh, I have like probably a small handful of rooms that stood out to me. Uh, from my playthrough. I don't have a ton of notes for specific rooms. There are some that I do remember. Like there's one, um, you're forced to make use of all your new items you've been getting, like in the swamp up to this point. So you use your boots, you use the bow and arrow, you use the dungeon item. All three are kind of important in here, which is kind of cool. Wait, you use your boots in here? I'm not really remembering that. Uh, there is a room north of the one, north of that big room that has all the blue Stolfos in it where there is a uh, a bridge that once you step on it, the tiles fall away. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You do kind of use I, a good Zelda dungeon. We talked about it last season. I think a good Zelda dungeon is one that's going to make you use all of the tools that it knows you will have when yeah. you enter it. That's why the late game dungeons are always more memorable. So one of the things we didn't really mention in the description that I kind of regret not mentioning now are 
eye switches in this game yes yeah there are some in here there are some in here and just they kind of mess up the whole vibe of this whole dungeon what do you mean i'm gonna send you a screenshot of one particular room and this feels like a ridley scott scene to me (laughs) like this feels like some like body horror stuff oh okay let's see like just look at the eyes oh yeah like there is a room some you know some of the way through this dungeon where you're traversing on moving platforms and there is an endless pit beneath you and as the platforms move left and right you have to hit eye switches on the walls uh-huh. And it's just like this really dark room. There are skulls all over the ground. <laughs> and just as you hit these eye switches, I don't know. There's just something very... Is it because when you shoot them, they close? I guess so. And it looks like you just injured something really badly. A bit, yeah. The the Sheikah were uh, in their early stages of puzzle development, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I am a fan overall of eye switches. I think... I prefer the way that they pulled it off in Skyward Sword, where you just make them dizzy, as opposed to <laughs> you hit, break their little eyeball. Yeah, I I thought that was a little bit silly, personally, but yeah, no, the the eyeballs in this do make it a little bit creepy, now that you remind me of that. Um, Speaking of, by the way, there was something, just a quick note that I wanted to make, because there's one room, I think it's early on, they want you to shoot your bow somewhere, like, to the left, because on the left wall, there is an eye switch for you to hit. Mm-hmm. But you can't go near it because uh, there's like this very small partition of stepping stones that you could definitely step over. Uh, Right. And they are just blocking this single eye switch. Yeah. There's going to be stuff like that throughout the rest of the game from here on out. The realization I made earlier today, though, Chris, is that I don't think what we're seeing is what's actually there. What do you mean? Okay, so when you look at those little spots on the ground, it looks like like a row of like stepping stones or like in another dungeon later. Like a gate. Like a gate, right? Sort of. But imagine if those lines go all the way up to the ceiling, like continues. What would you see? Oh, okay. So it'd be like a jail. It'd be like like bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which you could wouldn't be able to see through in a 2D game. So like they they cut it down to the bottom like you're playing The Sims. That's very smart. Also, that's like a weird jail to make for a switch. I guess the idea is that they could have other things in that jail. There's just nothing in it right now. Not right now. I was going to say like this whole dungeon is kind of like security mechanisms fighting against Link as he traverses further in to some extent. Maybe not the whole dungeon, but it is definitely Uh a recurring theme of this dungeon all the way to its boss. Right. So when you think about this, like interesting technology akin to like i guess this is the closest thing to Lanayru in the last season yeah i think that's probably the closest but like then you just have this one thing where it's like i don't know put that switch behind some bars it's like the (laughs) polar opposite end of actual effective security like i mean i don't know a lot about architecture but like possibly this was like a, a wiring issue they found out late in the game when they're building this place <laughs> so we're like oh geez this one ends up just behind this jail cell it's like well we can't put anyone in there now yeah they ran out of money right at the end of, of building this thing so they were like oh we, we ran out of puzzle wire just put some bars that reminds me whenever i build anything with redstone in minecraft <laughs> oh yeah absolutely. sometimes you just gotta make do with where things stop <laughs> oh something that we didn't talk about the in the i have a note here when we get to the blue stalfos room you can use the gust jar to pull off their heads uh yep and then they're just their bodies are just there you can lob their heads at their uh disembodied 
bodies? Yeah, I guess that Disen- would... Disenheaded bodies? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, not just that. You can actually shoot the cane Apache to flip their heads off, too. Oh, I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I was I was holding on to those details because them they make the Stalfos look dumb, and I think that serves my case uh, later. <laughs> I hate this. I know where you're going, and you're just teasing it out. <laughs> All right, anyway... Yeah, we get hints early on that there's going to be a multi-floor 2D dungeon. Uh, There are a lot of sparks throughout the dungeon, which, if you know how to handle sparks, is great, because that just means fairies. Free fairy. Free fairies. I I wish I'd known that sooner. Yeah, that's something you should always try when you see these guys. But also, they're uh, a common reoccurring thing in here, because we've been using all of our new tools and such since we got into this place. One that I did not name was the Pickery Blade. We definitely got a few good opportunities to use that here. We were kind of harsh on the power that we get from the Pickery Blade. Were we? Oh, yeah. I think this is one of the cooler dungeons for the Pickery Blade. There's like two really solid, maybe one really solid puzzle in this dungeon. There was one that was a thinker for me because I was still kind of getting to terms with how the mechanic worked. And that that actually set me straight. All right, let's build up to it. So we got the first Pickery Blade room where essentially we just clone ourselves, step on two switches in front of two Igors, and it activates Igors for a quick little battle right can you use your bow when you're i'm trying to remember if you can i want to say yes but i i don't remember i could imagine i would imagine you can that's kind of a cool idea i don't know that you're ever in a scenario where it would be beneficial i guess this would be the scenario it (laughs) uh you got two links facing two igors and you can fire right at them it might be the only time that's relevant (laughs) it might be there's also a fun little simple puzzle later where you make your two links vertical and you push a block to the right. Then you kind of mm-hmm. got to go back and you got to make two horizontal links and push that right. same block up. The one that did it for me was where you have a set of like six clone spots to step on where you have to figure out the best configuration of the two links and then walk that configuration through to another room to step on two buttons. Yeah, it's a great puzzle. It's it's a difficult one to describe on a podcast, yeah. but it's basically there are four switches and you have these two totem pole heads that we've described in previous oh, episodes. right, you have to push, push statues onto them too, yeah, yeah. Right, so you have to cover two of the four switches with those totem mm-hmm. pole heads then you have to clone yourself once and get right. through a narrow corridor. That's what I just described. Yes. <laughs> when you're through the narrow corridor, you have to be just enough spaces between the two links to hit the other two yeah. diagonal switches. It's it's a brain teaser. The whole challenge is to make sure you can get through there and not destroy your clone by making it phase through a wall, mm-hmm. which for me was pretty tough. I felt pretty smart finishing that puzzle. Yeah, this is a very gratifying one to get done with. This one took me a while. Honestly, I think I'd, I would, I don't usually play phone games, but I would play a phone game full of those. Yeah, I could see that being fun. Just like puzzles like this. Yeah. So yeah, those are the three four swords puzzles pretty much throughout this. There's another dark nut battle in here. We kind of hinted at the red one. Yeah, I really like this. The dark nut essentially lightning bolts into the room and just goes right at length. Like this thing oh, yeah. starts. Does not waste any time. Yeah. And 
apart from that though, I feel like the only real difference is that uh, it has more health, right? I think Does so. It do more damage? I don't. I, not that I remember. Not that I noted. Yeah. I'm a little embarrassed to say I, I didn't do a great job against the Dark Nuts in this game. I flailed a lot during it. Did you know to use the boots against them? No. What? Yeah. You like I we, we mentioned it in the last recording, I believe, where if you use the Pegasus boots at the dark nuts you get like an invincibility frame as it attacks you and you'll pop up on the other side yeah 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 really yeah that that's what makes these so much easier for me i mean oh you also get another weapon at the end of this game that allows you to maneuver onto the other side of them very easily oh yeah i mean that one didn't really help me much either to be honest (laughs) but uh yeah it might have just been that i saw that you can use the pegasus boots so it was kind of smooth sailing for me jeez that sounds so pivotal to these fight this is kind of like when you told me how in skyward sword you could actually run up the moblin's shield oh i loved doing that i miss playing <laughs> skyward sword just because i miss doing that one thing and shield bashing and shield bashing yes okay all right well the one thing that's a little bit of a bummer is after this really cool dark nut battle i don't think you get anything this would be a great fight to lead you yeah. into getting the item for the dungeon that fight i think just opens up the blue teleport portal back to the entrance I believe that's right. Yeah. To get the actual item for this dungeon, do you remember where it is? Ooh. It is behind a nothing bombable wall. Wait, really? Do you need to do anything to get to it? There's like a small corridor between rooms with some floor tiles that are special floor tiles. Uh Uh-huh. Those floor tiles in classic Zelda fashion signify do something with the wall right here. Oh, that wall. Yeah. Wow. That's a really obvious spot. Do you want to talk about what's in that treasure chest behind this bombable wall? Oh boy. <laughs> this is this is a big one. Moments. Precious moments. Boy, oh boy. This is a, a, a depth charge in, in Theory Zone, Chris. These are the moments where I'm so glad that we played Skyward Sword right before this game. <laughs> This item might be why the magma exists in Skyward Sword. I mean, yeah, this game came out first, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. They only exist in Minish Cap. Right. But they are very similar to the magma mitts that we get in Skyward Sword. That's right. Like, you can, they let you dig in the ground, uh, you know, similar to the shovel in so many other Zelda games. But they also let you dig through, like, walls of dirt, like the ones that are just around. You don't have to burrow or anything like you do in Skyward Sword. You can just stand up and plow through the walls of dirt. It's just so, it's super gratifying. This is less about the vertical digging and more about horizontal digging. We're going to be digging through all of those sand slash dirt walls that we've been talking about on the way grit. here. Grit. We're, we're dig through the grit. Dig through the grit, but not into the grit. I guess into the grit, right. but not into the grit. We, we don't got to get into the grit. Just dig through the grit. Exactly. I think it, we, it's not going to get clearer than that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is also going to open up a bunch of sealed caves in the overworld that we've been seeing up yes. to this point, which is exciting. You would have seen by now a bunch of different places in a bunch of different maps that look like a hole in the wall that has a big cork in it, maybe. And that's a spot you can dig through. Oh, my gosh. I'm looking at a wiki for the moments right now, and I've got to send you the most charming Zelda art i have ever seen look at this happy boy yeah this boy loves to dig oh (laughs) how would you describe 
the appearance of the mole mitts, by the way? Um, so I called them Knuckles cosplay in the Skyward Sword. Why is that? Because in the Sonic Adventure games, the whole thing is Knuckles digging into the ground and getting emeralds out of the ground. And essentially, Link just digs into the ground and gets whatever's in the ground. Okay, so like, just by dint of digging. It, well, it's the motion. But in this, it looks way more like Bear Claws. Yeah, you know what? I didn't think of it that way. It does look a bit like Bear Claws. But like, the nails are... Like, I'm looking now at... Not the actual game sprite, but I'm looking again at this official artwork. You got to put this up on the Insta, honestly. Oh, I will do that. I don't think they know what nails are. <laughs> they made the finger nails. Well, they're mole mitts. Those are claws, Chris. I guess, but then there are no fingers. I guess it depends. Because like you think about the size of Link, his hand is inside the paw right i guess okay we can't we can't do this on a podcast where we just analyze a picture that no one can see for super long but put up on the twitter the day that the episode comes out yeah this will be on the instagram and the twitter but how would you describe these myths uh they actually look like someone lopped off a mole's hand it's kind of macabre compared to Skyward Sword. You think that's fully a mole's hand okay i invite you to look at a picture of a mole chris all right I just Googled mole. Oh! <laughs> oh, no, don't Google mole hands. Why? It's the weirdest. Oh, I don't like any of this. Google mole hands. Yeah, okay. That's kind of what I was picturing. Yeah, like scary little shriveled E.T. hands. Oh, yeah. I'm not sleeping tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay yep those are clearly mole hands moles are scary things huh anyway we just blew a whole lore thing open do you want to have a field day right now yes the magma theory continues so we're left off in what episode two or three of this season i posited that magma as a species collectively or i guess one by one succumbed to malice therefore becoming acro bandits which i think is a fair theory yeah and so you know it stands to reason that as a minion of malice or a creature absorbed by malice... Minion is a choice word there. Yeah, that's fair. In that state, you can also be summoned or conjured by malice as a skeletal form of yourself, right? Because you got Lizolfos and you got Bacoblins and Moblins and whatever the, that, and whatever the heck that also show up as skeletons. Here right? it is. Take another look at that Stalfos. Look at the proportions of Stalfos in this game. You think these are... But you think that lines up with the proportions of magma tiny little legs do we ever fully see a magma out of one time or two times in yes. skyloft right uh not skyloft it's in that dungeon the second fire dungeon oh yeah it's like a weird nightmare thing yeah, yeah. there's also the one that's dangling from a chain by his underpants <laughs> <laughs> you're right yeah and they got tiny little legs oh no and, and they're and they're here in this place where you find mole mitts but also was hollowed out an excavation form i just answered my own question from earlier <laughs> I get it. I get it because the hand. I think the for the Stalfos, the biggest thing you have in your favor is the hands, especially. Now, I understand that this isn't one-to-one because -one, you look at the skulls, they look more like humanoid skulls or like at least the cartoon version of those, right? They look like Cthulhu skulls. Well, okay. The thing you're seeing as tentacles at the bottom is the, the teeth at the top of the jaw. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I have a picture to send you, Chris that is from ocarina of time oh no we're gonna take a look at stall child isn't stall child at the end of mass effect 3 stall no <laughs> oh what is yeah take a look this is a stall child from ocarina of time 
and they only exist in the N64 games. Take a look at those big old claws. Take a look at the long arms compared to the tiny legs. Look at the snoot on that skull, Chris. This is by far the most upset I've felt while recording an episode of this podcast. <laughs> they were dead from the onset. They were dead before they were alive. Before they were conceived, the magma were dead. Oh, what an existence. <laughs> okay, we have to keep moving on. So my theory is that uh, Malice, as we have seen since Breath of the Wild, is not just like this simple like sentient curse thing it's more than just like the blood moon and demise's will or whatever right what i think is that malice is also like a bio threat kind of similar to john carpenter's the thing okay it kills and absorbs creatures and then like makes use of their dna combining and recombining and like some kind of like unholy bio threat that attacks the world and what makes you say that i understand this is this is like a bat theory connected that it hinges on other similar you know (laughs) loosely founded theories but honestly this makes a lot of sense in my brain okay because remember like a couple episodes ago vati was able to conjure moblins Mm -hmm. and moblins as far as we know have only been connected to demise and malice Mm -hmm. right so why would he be able to do that Possibly because all the monsters came out of the chest and he then became able to wield like this terrible DNA stealing biomass and make the stuff that it had in it. The components that Malice had already memorized, like pieces of Moblins. Here's some Moblins. Sure. And similarly, anything that it copies, it can also make a skeletal form. You know, it's just constantly trying to create the ideal creatures to conquer Hyrule. I like that as a threat, especially a secondary threat to the motives of the direct antagonist of whatever given game. It's like such an unknown thing to any person wielding malice. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that would kinda. be that would be the exact type of power that any of these villains would be going after. You know what I mean? Imagine like you, Chris, make a wish on a Dragon Ball hat that lets you that turns you into the world's greatest sorcerer okay like imagine you can just like wield the common cold right like sure yeah like you can like choose who gets it or you can beef it up yeah it's like you have a a whole pokemon box at your disposal it's all in pokemon terms yeah like imagine it you you made a wish to become pokemon sorcerer and you can like wield dittos or something and you have control of every piece of pokemon dna there you go. Yeah, I get it. I I mean, it makes Malice a real threat. I would just like to see them actively engaging with it on that level. Whereas it's like Malice is such like an unspoken thing right now. Like it's just a darkness. Sure. But I would like, sure, I, I like that element of it, like adding to its capabilities. I mean, that is an unstoppable threat for sure. It's a theory that effectively changes nothing. So, like, I can get as, like, loosey-goosey as I want with it, you know? There's nothing disproving (laughs) it. It's just none of the villains so far have been smart enough to figure it out. You say no one's figured it out. Vati's already tapping in. He's tapping into it. Yeah, he got lucky. Could be. (sighs) If he had a little more time, he'd be conjuring, you know, Hinoxes and whatnot, you know? Totally, totally. Okay, I'm into it. Let's keep going in regards to the rooms in this dungeon. Um, there's an interesting encounter... With Wizrobes in a room where you start like just fighting Wizrobes while face lamps toss fireballs at you. Right. Which is a cool 
moment, but then you get a treasure chest for it, and it's just 20 mysterious shells. <laughs> and it's just like, how many times are you going to do this? Get out of here. Get out of here with that. I don't... Like, if you've seen, like, maybe 10 to 20 figurines, you don't need to see any more, I'm going to say. Imagine really quick if, like, in Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask or Twilight Princess, you had to pay for your partner's info on a monster. Okay. Like, you're, you're playing Twilight Princess and you, like, you run to, like, what, a bokoblin. And it's like, hey, Midna, I need some pointers. And Midna's like, give me 20 rupees. Yeah, that's what the figurines are, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you make that element into a gotcha game. I don't know. But then, like I said, some people like that, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that people like, I really felt like there was something satisfying in that, like, OCD way uh, of getting the moment and just being able to clear out the sand in the back half of this dungeon. Yeah. It's got that. It's got the Gust Bellows uh, good feel scratches there. It's good. Yeah. There are just so many small rooms where it's just a ton of sand and just like kinstones hidden within them or small keys hidden within them it's very good there is one room right towards the end where you like you can see the last big treasure chest with the boss key and, right. and it's in the right eye of a skull like tiles of a skull on a floor right yeah yeah you want to keep but in mind that it's in the right eye specifically here mm -hmm. if you go in the left eye you got to start over again yeah because you're going to go a floor above it where you're going to find another skull on the floor. This one, its eyes have holes that you can drop down in. Right. And you drop down that right eye and you can get the treasure chest. Because I, I didn't mention this, but there is a like wall uh, partitioning the left and the right sides of the skull. So you can't access both uh -huh. sides at once. Oh, that's so frustrating. Because like you, you have to memorize it from the top. Because if you forget by the time you get up there, which is a real thing... In real life, when you are going into a room to do something and you forget what that is, right? Like you go, I'm looking for my phone charger. Walk into the next room. What was it looking for? Sure. Right. That's a real thing. Like scientists have looked into that because like entering the threshold of a new area wipes your short term memory. Yeah. Is that what happened to you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's completely reasonable, dude. Like, uh, yeah, my short term memory is garbage. Um, I don't really have any other notes before we get to the boss. Do you want to just get right into it? Uh, yeah, I think I'm good. I can't think of any other really standout points here. All right, let's talk about the boss of this dungeon, Mazal. Yeah, Mazal sounds right. I, I couldn't think of any other pronunciations for the that. The Marvelous Mr. Mazal. Sure. What? You don't know? Okay, <laughs> never mind. It's a thing. I'll take your word for it. But hey, hey, Chris. Yeah, this guy. It's a milestone for the show. It's our first floating head and hands, boss. It is. The first of many. Mazal, also known in Germany as Quartozuma. Quartozuma. I take Quartozuma when I have achy joints. <laughs> uh, so the reason I bring this up, Quartozuma is the name they use for this boss in Germany. The, Germany also uses the same name for the similar boss in Wind Waker. Oh, that boss, Godan. Yeah, exactly. German localizers saw this boss in this game. We're like, yeah, it's the same guy. Come on. 
<laughs> it's it's really cool. So I like this boss design a lot. I also really like that Wind Waker boss design. Oh yeah, that one's spooky. It's real good. But there's let's let's talk about it, right? So we have a sort of Aztec, a large Aztec floating head, and two colorful hands. Golden. Yeah, it's a golden head with mm-hmm. red on the left side and blue on the right side. It's got that Lenehu right. color scheme that we love so much. Ooh, yeah, good point. It's magnets, baby. How do they work? Not that well, it turns out. Both of which have little hidden eyes. Oh, yeah, no, they uh, similar to Godan. Uh, it's got the Pan's Labyrinth hands in the palms. Yeah, and this is very much a stereotypical floating hands and head boss in the way that you would expect it to be i'm actually going to read the figurine super quick mazal appears in the wind runes constructed by the wind tribe to repel intruders the sturdy machine cannot be destroyed by any external force you said it you said it appears in the wind ruins i got it from a wiki page to be fully transparent that wiki page is dead wrong then chris because the wind ruins is a distinct place all right well fair does your wiki page have a cool wrestling name for this boss is there one on your end? No, I was hoping there would be one on yours. Oh, I guess we're lacking here. Well, Do you want to throw me a pitch? Because I got one right off the top of my head. Rattle it off. Ancient Golden Guardian Mazal. That's like a good, like, I could see them using that. Uh, yeah, the best I can come up with is like Monstrous Machine Mazal. Yeah, yeah, you might have more luck with, with some of the other localized names. Uh, so yeah, let's get into, let's get into Mazal a bit. Um, I, I love this design. Just, oh yeah, this is one of my favorite bosses in the game. Like it's got like golden armored Aztec inspired. I want to say without Mm -hmm. being too presumptuous, Mm -hmm. floating limb Andros style boss. Mm -hmm. And like stylistically, this is probably just me, but because it's like a robot, but also gold, I got like casino vibes from it. Oh, totally. I got big Wham Bam Rock vibes from Kirby Superstar. I have no idea what that, what is Wham Bam Rock? You know exactly what it is. You played Kirby Superstar with me. (laughs) That was forever ago. Okay. All right. Well, that will resonate to someone who's listening. I just love like that this is the color scheme from Lenehu Mining Facility. And it's also a, it's clearly a security bot in this game. Right. Oh, yeah. Those two connections. Well, I'm not sure exactly what about this place it's positioned to protect, but Uh, to repel intruders. Yeah, I guess. But if they're in this room, the intruders are already here, dog. Yeah, it's pretty deep end. But I mean, maybe it could maneuver around a bit. And we're just seeing it in this room. I don't really. That's fair. So let's talk about how you fight it. So its initial attack is he'll grab you and start smashing you into the ground. (laughs) It's brutal. Like a big gorilla. You want to hit the eyeballs when they're exposed in his hands. Right. Uh, with your bow right right you want to hit it with the bow first and then smash it with the sword yes after you smash both hands uh with the sword they'll both be exposed like down on the ground well then the head will also be that because like for each hand you take down half of the head loses its color and then uh when both hands are down the head goes down and the mouth is open right and if you're paying attention to your surroundings there are two minish portals in this room right so we are shrinking down and entering this thing's mouth 
which is weird, but kind of cool. It's Chris, this rules. You're going inside to like, you knock it down, you knock it like unconscious, and then you crawl inside its head to kill its brain. Yeah, destroy it from the inside. You break vulnerable pillars in there. Uh, the only way you can find which pillars are vulnerable is by digging through a bunch of sand in his head. That's uh, in, in the second and third time you do it, yeah. But the first time you go in, it's it's unblocked. That's weird, but okay. What's weird about it? Where'd that sand come from? I have to assume this thing has been here forever. You probably shook it loose the first time you like attack it. Oh, okay. It's like stored up and it falls down. Yeah. For the same reason, like after the first time you t attack it on the inside, it actually starts to throw beetles at you. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's part of its original function. It's also got a little Toy Story crane or toy machine crane that pulls oh, yeah. you out and tosses you out when you uh, yeah, hit yeah, its yeah. pillars. Another thing that it has, by the way, Chris is a shrink ray yeah no damage on that thing but it will turn you tiny like just in time for the hands to smash you yeah yeah that's the third phase of it and it's a pain in the butt it's one of those things where it's not difficult it doesn't hurt you a lot it just mm -hmm. is like an, a frustrating inconvenience uh, but it's not too bad like it's easy to avoid yeah no you, you attack him from the inside three times and you win when you describe it that way it's relatively short but like it's honestly a pretty thrilling fight, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's clearly projected. It lasts just as long as you want it to. There's no moves that it have that feel cheap. It's a good boss fight. Probably one of the better yeah. ones in this game. Legit. Like Pete mentioned, the boss goes down after three. Its head explodes from the inside, which Brutal. is dramatic. Awesome. Turns into a heart piece and a door opens to an outdoor area with no element in sight. I spent at least 10 minutes today, Chris, trying to figure out how in an audio medium to, to convey a version of a certain uh, Vine meme. Okay. <laughs> where I would just say, so no element and then smash my phone. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, concerning, I guess, for a second. It's like... There aren't many, I don't know, how often is it in a Zelda game that you get to the end of a dungeon and the thing you're specifically looking for is not there? Not too often. I, I, I mean, there are some times where you get the thing and it's immediately stolen from you. Sure. I can't think of any times where you get there and it's not there. But our frustration is short-lived because we're going to walk through this door and outside to this very much like a... What was that Lakeview Shrine in Skyward Sword? Oh, oh, in the room, uh, the room at the end of Skyview? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one at the end of, a similar room at the end of Elden, too, whatever, the Earth Temple. Yeah, yeah. And it's very much got that feel, except you're at the top of a cliff. There are some ruins to each side. Mm -hmm. There's like a, a pathway walking up. Well, you're you're at the top of a tower. Yeah, right. You're at the top of this tower. Yeah. Uh, and there's like a bunch of colorful, like I want to say like jungle birds around here. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really, I really liked what, like it, after like a hectic boss fight, walking into a very chill Zen place, it was very good. There's a, you know, we walk straight ahead and there's a big, another big tablet similar to the one that tried to behead us in the elemental sanctuary. I don't know where you're getting beheading from, but... <laughs> There's a note left from the Tribe of the Winds here that discusses how they've mastered and now joined the winds, and they're headed to the skies. And they write, if you seek the tribe's power, uh, you must play the notes Zephyr teaches. Who's Zephyr? No clue. I mean, the first that was not the first thing on my mind, though. The, the first thing was like, they left. They're not here. They're Where'd not they here. Go? 
It also says they became one with the winds or something. Like, I thought, like, what? They evaporated? Like, we can't even find them now. They said we lived with the winds and we mastered them. That's a cool line. They went off to the sky to be airbenders. Yeah. Like, that's a very cool, evocative thing for you to come here and read. I've got to mm -hmm. imagine the process of... <laughs> living with the winds and mastering them is probably a little bit more goofy looking a lot of standing <laughs> around as the wind blows a lot of jumping into the wind and seeing if you'll fly and not fly trying to live with the winds but it just refuses to pay rent <laughs> that's all we get it's kind of mysterious but then the aforementioned zephyr flies by it's one of these birds it's a little blue bird mm -hmm. and it drops an ocarina the strange what ocarina like number three in the franchise like there's been multiple up to this point up to this point yeah. there's number one there's an ocarina shaped thing in link to the past that they call a flute right then there's ocarina the fairy ocarina in ocarina of time to ocarina of time in ocarina of time and then there's this one i'm talking about in timeline order but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think there are ocarinas in link to the past link's awakening and this and ocarina yeah you get two in ocarina so i guess that counts what i'm wondering though is like what is the cultural significance of the ocarina to hyrule right like i guess so i mean this is specifically given to us from the wind tribe who i guess yeah they were a hyrule civilization technically when they were living on on the earth i do like the fact that the wind tribe would have made this instrument and it's kind of like a woodwind instrument yeah I, i'm kind of on board with that <laughs> except for the ocarina of time which i guess is made from time shift stone but we already addressed that wait okay yes 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 but also okay no we need to keep moving we need to keep moving <laughs> I, I gave you double whiplash with that. I forgot how cool that theory was. Uh, so yeah, this bird drops the ocarina. This is going to be similar to Link to the Past, our teleportation device between areas. Yes. When you play the ocarina, which, by the way, I think is a tune that plays in multiple Zelda games. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I think once in uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, it plays in that one too. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and check. I'll try to edit some of those sound effects in here. But when you do, little baby bird Zephyr uh, flies in to grab you, very strong for its size, and uh, flies you to your choice of exploded tombstone. Yeah. If you recall that from earlier episodes. Yeah, this is it. This is the, the payoff of those, I guess, tomb-like areas we've been uncovering. It's kind of fun. The bird has like its own slogan for like its transportation service. A slogan? It says, north, south, east, and west are all just a breath away. <laughs> i like that a lot that's better than any of the sponsored stuff that we came up with earlier in this season put that on a poster for an airline <laughs> now i have i have two notes about zephyr by the way first one is kind of funny when you call zephyr it's not an instantaneous thing you don't jump straight to a map zephyr flies in to try to grab you and you have a chance to dodge it yeah so like if you if you push the button by accident you can just say no goodbye zephyr which remember you only have two buttons to push so chances are if you have that that thing out you're gonna push it by accident at least once that's probably true actually happened to me uh the second thing is this small little baby bird's able to pick up a whole grown boy okay full of armor and tools yes this is a thing that just happens in these games but chris remember 
this game likely influenced a lot in Skyward Sword. <laughs> oh, your face. You're making a lot of expressions right now. I don't know if my eyes widening was audible to the listeners there, but... Um... <laughs> Do you think these are, do you think this is Flofty? I think, well, Flofty directly, this is no. a blue bird, this so is, no. This might be Zelda's bird. It could, I'm thinking this is like a baby Loftwing. I love that. Another harmless theory, but like, I, I do, like, I'm kind of attached to it now. Oh, I love that. I mean, I don't, <laughs> oh, I never thought about that. That's so good. Yeah, like, it's, it would explain, like, why it's able to lift you. I mean, it could be like that thing of in Pokemon games on handheld consoles, they always make the Pokemon look very tiny in the overworld. Also true. That's a good point. Um, okay, so we get a little bit of dialogue from Ezlo saying, I do believe this is where the tribe of the winds once lived. Hmm. So they've left for the heavens and have taken their element with them. It looks <laughs> like the wind element is beyond our reach for the time being. We have no choice but to press on. Let's get out of here. So, I mean, that is basically kind of where we're going to wrap this episode. We uh, don't know where the element is that we're looking for, but we know who might have it. I mean, it's still the same people who we thought had it in the first place. I guess. Uh, we can transition right into a Hyrule business highlight from here. Sounds good to me. Okay. So this week, we're going to talk a bit about Mama's Cafe. Yeah, I like this place a lot. This is like one of the first places you can go to at the start of the game. Because uh, most places are locked at the start. <laughs> Yeah, this is so this is essentially this game's milk bar, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, although like I do like want to have a point of appreciation here where it's one of the only establishments in this franchise that even comes close to having an actual bar. Is it wait, is it actually a bar? What makes you say it's a bar? I guess bar is a little too is a step too far. I don't think it's an actual bar, but like it does have like only adult patrons no children are allowed which might be why the hurdy-gurdy man hides in here but also i just kind of get that vibe you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean there is one patron here who looks like she's holding milk so it, it kind of it kind of could be like a milk bar you could put your milk in your coffee or tea i guess i guess yeah which you got a big uh teacup on the roof of this place i guess tea might be the number one thing mm-hmm Although most of the patrons in here are named after either coffee stuff or tea stuff. Yep, we've got Jasmine, Breve, Chai, Herb, and June. Do you think Herb goes by Herb in here? Like, it might be Herb, It right? might be Herb. We also have, as Pete mentioned, the hurdy-gurdy man. And we have Gepper, Mama, and Barris. As in barista. As in barista. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> As in barista. Yeah, no, I, I think this is a pretty cool place. There's not a lot that goes on in here. Like, supposedly, according to the figurine that you get, which, by the way, the figurine is very cute. Yeah. It's like a whole panorama that has all the characters in it. It's like some, the kind of thing I'd like to own. Those are the best figurines in this game, I think, are the scenes instead of the individuals. I agree. Like, it looks like more work is put into them. But the figurine description says... This is the best place in town to relax. You can also pick up some good tips from the latest gossip to observations about the world. Ooh. Did you get any of that playing this game, Chris? Not any amount of it. Not a bit. <laughs> Zero amount of it. <laughs> I can't even remember. So, like, you can trade kinstones with the people in here. I know that. Mm -hmm. I can't remember any specific yeah. quests that tie into this. The one thing that I remember about Mama's Cafe is that you can use the pot in Mama's Cafe to turn minish size yeah 
You got to flip it over first, though. And then you climb up and out of Mama's Cafe and across like a rafter uh, over into Stockwell Shop. Right. Where you can like get bring him dog food you can drop into to where stockwell is and that's when he gives you the dog food to bring his dog which that's a thing you do to someone who fell out of your rafters yeah <laughs> but yeah no you flip over this big pot in this cafe by magic no one bats an eye you jump on top of it no one bats an eye magic swirls around you as you shrink and fall inside of the pot no one bats an eye chris they're all drunk off milk so this must be one of those like actual alcoholic milk bars where you get alcoholic milkshakes or you know what it might be hurdy gurdy man might be blasting that music <laughs> so they're all busy glaring at him yeah no i i honestly think hurdy gurdy man might come in here because he needs a rest from all the children that follow him around. <laughs> that's very possible and there's no children allowed in here so there must be something going on right yeah not that anyone says they're not allowed it's just there's never any kids in here i mean this crowd isn't like a particularly interesting crowd it's like one much older lady and a few kind of parent looking hylians like very People much who need a minute away yeah yeah essentially that's very much the vibe here uh it's a cute little shop this is definitely like one of the more lived in areas this is mm -hmm. a more realized shop than syrup's hut from the last episode right and similar in the rafters of this place you get some adorable like crumbs of cheese and crackers up here that the men are eating mm -hmm. but aside from that there's really not too much else to talk about i think uh in regards to mama's cat yeah unfortunate i would have liked it here a lot honestly yeah if there was a quest attached to it or something sure this would be a cute little location in a 3d game sometime if they ever do something like that yeah it's called a milk bar well okay all right wise guy <laughs> oh you know what before we wrap up let's do some t-rex for the dungeon no just some some tyrannosaurus recommendations You're going to be taking this to the point where you're editing in like the Jurassic Park Tyrannosaurus Rex sound. Consider this payback for a year's worth of Excuse Me podcast. You don't. You love that exit. You love having a closer. Uh, Chris. I don't know. Let's roll the tape. I don't think I do. For the Hello Hyrule travel recommendations, uh, we're going to go in order. Uh, we're going to start with our top photo ops. Chris. Uh, the skull hole for me that you think so from like the top floor yeah i love that and then like the fact that you see the second skull on the floor underneath it probably in real life yeah that's true with with, a, with realistic proportions that might be kind of neat mm -hmm. what about you yeah. what's your what's your favorite site i'm thinking Ma mazal i'm saving mazal that's why i didn't put him here oh word okay right on yeah no i i think that uh mazal would be pretty sweet to have i mean it would be either reprogrammed uh, to be more helpful, like an Olmec, uh, or it's going to be like one of those things in, in a video game that lets you take selfies where you try to take it in front of the most dangerous bosses you can. <laughs> it's like there was like a phase uh, probably seven years ago or eight years ago where people were like taking pictures of themselves in front of bears on Instagram and it was like a trend, but then people started getting attacked by bears, and I don't think it was no a very long-lived trend. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. don't do that. No, don't do that. Anyway, what is your best bite? I'm going to say Spiny Choo Choo. Aw, uh, did we do that one yet? We didn't do that one yet? We, ha I don't think we've said what, what we think those taste like. Oh, no. Pete, what do you think a Spiny Choo Choo tastes like? 
uh, I believe it or not, Chris, I've got a good feeling about this one because something about spiny choo-choo's the color of it compared to the others especially thinking about it if it was in 3d like in wind waker i'm thinking it would taste sort of like a gummy bear but like a gummy bear flavored like yogurt pretzels okay <laughs> the, you know what the spiny choo-choo's to me look like these dog toys that my dog has to clean his teeth Oh, like the spines are there to like clean the teeth, which I uh -huh. so I, I just can't picture it being anything other than that in the real world. They only get spiky when they're like alive and feeling like defensive, right? Yeah, like when they would be uh, about to be placed in someone's mouth to be gobbled on. Why would you assume I'd want to eat it alive? I wouldn't assume that you'd want to eat in general, but we found ourselves <laughs> where we are now. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you got me there. Well, what about you? What's your best bite? Uh, my best bite is Grilled Wallmaster. No, really? Yeah, there's something about it. So I don't want to eat this, but there's something about those fingers that kind of make me think of like, uh, like <laughs> what are those chicken fries that they used to have at Burger King? Do you remember? <laughs> I love, we always get, I love the Burger King chicken fries. Yeah, Something yeah, you got to yeah. know about me. Every road trip, if we pass by a Burger King, I got to get me a little box of Burger King chicken fries. But like, I want to ask you, what? You want to eat like, this looks like a human hand. It's got five fingers. I've got to be honest with you. There was nothing that looked very appetizing in this dungeon to me. This oh, is, boy. I was scrounging. This is the bottom of the barrel for me. You could have said like Zepha. No, you could have no. said like <laughs> monster. <laughs> There's other birds up there too. I don't want to eat you know. them either. I mentioned eating the masked bird a few episodes ago. So you want to eat a humanoid hand with uh, that made of dark magic? Yeah. Do you think they have bones? Uh, you know, actually, that's a fair question. In this form, I don't know if they would have bones. It just in general, yeah. Like, do you think wall masters or floor masters have bones? That's an interesting thought experiment. I feel like the second you bite into a wall master, anything that breaks off vaporizes. You got to inhale it. Mm. And I, I think they do have bones because, like, otherwise, how would they get such a good grip on Link? If they didn't have bones, he would just slip right out as they tried to lift him back to the uh, entrance. I mean, I don't want to fall. I don't want to repeat myself too much and say dark magic, but it's dark magic. Uh, you okay. Know. Well, speaking of dark magic, what's your best attraction? My attraction of choice for the Fortress of Winds would be flying with Zepha. Yeah. It's not even a question. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> That's very sweet. Oh, man, I love that. It we thought about the loft wing connection right at the yeah, end too. man yeah and he brings what you very quickly to places yeah no it, it's i mean the flight in itself is the attraction for me but yeah it, it does have that purpose yeah do you think like these baby loft wings are as good at flying as like their adult counterparts in skyward sword or do you think that it's like a way too fast really turbulent ride i would say that i mean it depends on the rider first off this is a baby bird this is a very small bird mm -hmm. little 10 year old link is probably the best it can do if you had skyward sword link with full chain mail i don't think they'd be able to do it <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point yeah that's a that's a great best attraction i think that's probably the most fun uh thing you could be doing in this area what about you what's your attraction i just want to be thrown by mazal <laughs> okay <laughs> listen it'll be the best attraction to me it'll also be probably my last attraction uh living oh this is a bucket list attraction yeah no i don't i don't expect that i'm gonna live much past this moment of <laughs> being thrown against a wall by mazal 
I want to be choke slammed by Golden Olmec. That's how I want to go out. But I mean, you know, while you have time on in this short life you have, how much of a unique experience would it be to be picked up by this giant towering <laughs> Aztec creature and just launched? Have every bone in your body broken at once. <laughs> there you go. It's the good stuff. Not bad. So yeah, that's that's a wrap on Fortress of Winds. So on that note, do you want to take a quick trip over to the post office? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So first postcard we got in is from The Real Link, who left us an iTunes review saying, oh, my God, I love Zelda games. I would say I love Zelda, but my girlfriend would get mad. But anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. We definitely encourage you to reach out to us uh, and let us know what you think about the Zelda games and the podcast. But we definitely do not want it to be at the cost of any relationships. But thank you uh, to the real link. We've gotten letters from so many variations of links uh, in our time doing postcards. You know, I was about to bring that up where it's like, first off, there has been at least two who have a name that is approximate to Link. And so they use Link as a nickname. Mm -hmm. So like, I think it's not that odd, but... You know, this is a Legend of Zelda travelogue podcast, Chris, so it's not that weird. No, I not think. at all. I just like how every one of them is very affirmative. It's not just Link. Mm -hmm. It's validating. No, no, no. <laughs> this is the real Link. What if we just had, like, uh, equivalent to, like, the early 2000s and everybody who was commenting on our show was just, like, Sephiroth 256. <laughs> Solid Snake 420. Do you want to take this next one from Savannah Haw? Yeah, sure. Expanding my passport. Five stars. Thank you very much. After listening to my brother's travel stories about his time in Hyrule over the years, I finally booked my first excursion to visit myself. My first trip landed me in Hyrule during a time of recovery after losing control of their guardians. The land was blooming with rich history that I decided I needed to learn for myself. Since then, with the help of time travel, I have created an itinerary to explore every era of Hyrule. The next stop was, oddly enough, not Hyrule, but a city in the clouds. I was lucky enough to hire the great tour guides here at Hello Hyrule. They opened my eyes to the details I definitely would have missed traveling on my own. We are currently traveling through Hyrule at a time where we can shrink down to explore even further. Luckily, their services seem to reincarnate with every version of Link, Goddess Hylia, and Demise. Can't wait to see where we go next. Chris, I missed this detail at the end the first time I read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait so are we wrapped up in that curse as well oh boys uh <laughs> all right hey it looks like we're getting work at the very least i mean but if we're dying and getting reincarnated then we're just starting from scratch each time aren't we i mean death comes for everyone right at least we're coming back i can't wait to see my character design between wind waker and twilight princess <laughs> If you want to send us a postcard telling us what you want Mazal to do to you, uh, then you can either shoot us an email over at HyrulePod at gmail.com, or you can drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps more listeners like you find this show. Absolutely. Also, you could tell a friend. If you have a friend who likes Legend of Zelda games, share this podcast with them. We'd love to hear about that. Yeah, we don't say that enough, to be honest. Yeah, no. definitely tell tell people that are in your life. Yeah, it would mean the world to us. If you want to reach out to us on social, you can find us on Twitter, Insta, or Tumblr at iRollPod. I'm updating the Instagram again. It's very exciting. It was only a six-month hiatus. Hey, good job. Thank you. 
Where, what is the, what's the handle on those three social media? Once again, you can find us on Twitter, Insta, and Tumblr at HyrulePod. All right. If you want to find us individually on Twitter, you can find me at the edge of my peat. You can find me at a man named Babs. That's B-A-B-S. Next episode, we're hitting Lake Hylia. Ooh, exciting. An important area. But mostly the library. Yeah. <laughs> It's a big library episode. Uh, it's going to be a long conversation, isn't it? It's going to have to be, unfortunately. Okay. But for now, that's going to do it for Hello Hyrule. Thank you for listening. Until then, I have been Pete. And I've been Chris. Excuse me, podcast. Podcast.